Hello, hello, my darlings, and welcome to another episode of Conversations with My Higher Self. I missed you. How have you been? Today, we're going to be talking about earth elementals. I am all the way on the elemental bandwagon. It seems like you are right here with me along for the ride. And so we're just going to keep going until we get tired of talking about elementals, huh? Uh, before we dive in, a couple of things that I wanted to note. Um, we have just uploaded a meditation um, on how to meet your dragon to another podcast that um, I run called Our Sacred Universe. If you haven't checked it out, you really should. Um, that one is also going to have an episode around traveling to the fairy kingdom and the fairy lands that I recorded recently. Um, and so I figured I'd let you know, because if you are not subscribed to that one, if you haven't checked it out, now is a good time because there's all this content that's up and coming. Secondly, if you're not yet, um, following me on YouTube, you should, I'm at this is Maria on YouTube. And, um, we finally did record the Q and a video that I promised. We, uh, I think it was like an hour or something long and we need a part two and a part three and a part four to cover all the questions. So more is going to be forthcoming. So check out YouTube. Other than that, I think we're ready to dive in and talk about earth elementals. Earth elementals are plentiful. There are quite a number of different classes of earth elementals. As we go down this rabbit hole, I find that every new element that we take, every new element that we endeavor to look at together is getting more and more plentiful and, and complicated in terms of how many elementals dwell within the constraints of that realm. So earth elementals, I don't know how many episodes we're going to need to do on that. Obviously, I'm going to try to keep this quick because for obvious reasons, um, you know, eventually I'd like to get to other topics. Um, but yeah, today we're going to take at least a few earth elementals on. All right, let's dive right in. First things first, um, at one point I may have mentioned foundationals. I think this was um, a few episodes back, a couple of episodes back when we talked about fire elementals. Um, foundationals could be considered earth elementals also because foundationals or formative, so there are two ways of, of calling them essentially, are the energies that first descended onto planet earth before there was even a planet earth. Those are the beings that are really as primordial as they get for planet earth. All of those beings that I refer to as formatives or foundationals essentially have a contract with Gaia, the consciousness of our planet. And at one point, um, like the three musketeers, they got gathered around the, the table and decided how they're going to create this planet. Now, there were other beings of light that participated in the creation of the planet. A lot of them were archangels, but um, enough of them were formatives. And so formatives came with a lot of their personal energy. So a lot of their personal spark to create this um, planet. So that's why I call them formatives or foundationals or really founders of the planet. There's more than one being. And so foundationals actually belong to every single type of elemental 
um, that exists. So all the four elements and arguably even the five elements, right? The fifth element is ether. Um, most of these foundationals have participated with their soul extracts or soul sparks, soul energies. And so there's more than the physicality to what they brought and donated to this planet. Uh, there's their soul energy also that went into the formation of planet Earth. And so you have a lot of foundationals that brought with themselves wonderful water energies, wonderful earth energies, um, wonderful rock energies, wonderful magma energies so that the core of the planet could be built, etc., etc. So that is how this whole thing started. Secondly, the second type of elementals that arrived on this planet was called the ancients. And the ancients is something that we are definitely going to dive in a little bit deeper today. The, the ancients are also spirits, um, very similar to foundationals, but they didn't have to be all in because foundationals, they are kind of, they're the kind of elementals that are like all in essentially on this game. So if, if um, essentially they're gambling with their energies. They're like, okay, I'm all in on red and, you know, let's see what happens. Ancients bring a lot of their energy and they are very committed to planet Earth, but their personal soul journey is not as attached to the story of planet Earth as the foundationals. Another way to think of ancients, and let me, maybe let, let me take it a step back as I'm trying to explain this. So there are all of these natural features that essentially make up the face of our planet, right? In the same way that you guys have facial features, such as the nose and the mouse, the mouth and the ears, and that essentially makes up who you are, um, you know, visually uh, on, the physical, on the physical level. Our planet has a lot of natural features that very similarly describe and make up who it is. So you have your mountain chains, you have your seas and oceans, you have your forests, you have your ice caps, you have everything in between. All of these things are natural features. And whereas there is the physicality to the natural features, it all starts with the energy. And initially, when planet Earth was just forming... There were a lot of light beings, hundreds actually of light beings. They descended to planet Earth to become what I refer to as the ancients. The reason I'm referring to them as such is because their energies are really very, very old in, in terms of they're all as old as the age of this planet, right? And that's why they're ancient, <laughs> relatively speaking. So every natural feature from a river to a mountain has a spirit or a few spirits that are almost like sponsoring energies for that natural feature. Those sponsoring energies are the ancients. Not every mountain chain, not every river, not every ocean, not every sea is created equal. All of them carry a very unique kind of vibration. And the reason that they carry a very different kind of vibration is because the souls that inhabit them or that sponsor them are very, very different. Now, there, is, there was, when, when planet Earth was forming, there were a certain amount of ancients, um, about 250 ancients actually, 
give or take, that descended on planet Earth that collectively sponsored every single natural feature that you could imagine. So regardless of what's happening with planet Earth, because you know certain, um, I don't know, uh, continents sunk as time went by, you know, um, oceans formed and reformed, a lot happened with the rivers and the mountain chains. So essentially the face of the planet Earth is ever shifting. It is a dynamic ecosystem. What does not shift is the number of ancients that inhabit uh, planet Earth. So we still have around 150. And these ancients are taking on different roles as time goes by, right? So if, for instance, planet Earth goes through a destruction of a particular mountain chain that was sponsored by an ancient, that ancient is going to go ahead and sponsor some other energy uh, or sorry, some other um, natural feature. So they kind of migrate, if that makes sense. So ancients generally, when they came here, they committed to operating at a particular frequency. Now, of course, ancients, you know, they're very wise beings. They're very um, sophisticated beings. They are very robust beings, for lack of a different term. And so they contain within themselves a full spectrum of energies of, of God. And they choose to put a certain stream of that energy or a certain vibration of that energy forth for each of the natural features that they inhabit. Um, and very often they would pick one chakra that they're donating to the planet, right? So you have your ancients that are operating at the root center, you have your ancients that operate at the crown center, you have everything in between. So for instance, when we're talking about the Himalayas being, you know, the crown chakra of, of the planet, one of the crown chakras of the planet, because there are many, uh, there are many natural features that have the vibrations of the crown chakra. What that tells you is the ancient being, the ancient elemental that is powering and sponsoring the Himalayas chose to operate at the crown center. Very often, and, and okay, let, and, and let's, maybe let's start bringing it home because I don't know if this is way too lofty for you guys. No, it's kind of fascinating for some of you, but not really. Um, those of you that study ley lines, those of you that study the, the chakras of the planet, you know, maybe that is going to start bringing it home for you because ancients are the reason that you could assign an energy of a particular chakra to a natural feature. And again, those things are ever shifting. Like I said, ancients can choose to move around. They're not set in stone in a particular location, which makes, which is what makes this journey fun for them. Secondly, um, enough of you, especially the, the ones that are more awakened and um, frankly more in tune with the different places and locations on planet Earth may have noticed that certain places really speak to you energetically and vibrationally and other places just don't. And you may even have places that a lot of other people will consider spiritual, uh, but you may just be one of those beings that does not resonate with that. There are there could be many different reasons of why that's happening. But one of the reasons could be your personal vibration in relationship to the vibrations of the ancients that are inhabiting that particular locale or that particular location. Very often, ancients would act as guardians 
of a particular place, particular state or particular region. Some beings, some people, some humans, when they go into some sacred lands, would feel like the land is almost like repelling them, as if like they're not meant to be there. And that is very often because you haven't established a good enough relationship with the guardians of that place or the ancients in that place. It could be, uh, you know, many reasons and it's never just you. Sometimes it could be you personally. Sometimes there's something that goes as far back as your lineage, right? Because we are a blueprint um, of, or like an imprint of the ancestors that came before us. As such, when ancients are faced with our energies, they would kind of like scan us really quickly and they would know everything that they need to know about our ancestry line, right? So if one of our ancestors was really let's say, um, abusive to a particular animal that is sacred, considered sacred for that location, we may not be welcome in that place. So very often when you're going to sacred places, let's say like Mount Shasta or Sedona or Glastonbury or any of those like energetically charged places that exist in the intersection of the ley lines, the first thing that uh, you would want to do is to ask permission from the ancients and the guardians of that place to be there um, and to, you know, so you can ask for their blessings. Um, you should ask actually for their blessings and their permission to be on their land, to partake um, of their energies, right? You could ask for healing, for certain kind of healing or insight to come through to you just because you are under their protective umbrella. So the good and the bad news about um, these guardians is on the one hand, they are in charge of a particular territory. And because they are in charge of a particular territory, there are kings and queens of, queens of that territory, which means they call the shots, right? So if they like you, that's generally great news. If they dislike you, that's generally not great news. Duh. However, What's interesting about this is because they call the shots, right? Um, they can also provide all kinds of unexpected positives to your experience if you start working with as guardians and working with the ancients. Very often, ancients work with groups in groups. So let's say you're you're going to Sedona. Sedona has actually seven ancients currently working with the energies of that place. Um, very often. Um, when you're talking to ancients, if, you, if your third eye is open, you would notice them as giant beings of, you know, they're kind of a little transparent, but they very often appear humanoid. But they're like your biggest spirit guide you can imagine. Like they're literally, they're stretching into the sky. They're very, very tall beings. And very often they would um, make a circle around a place that they are protecting or guarding or guiding. And, um, you know, not every ancient is created equal. They all operate at different chakras. They all operate at, um, they, all, they all essentially have their different skill sets. Because of that, if you choose to take the time to befriend the ancients, they may tell you about the history of that place. They may tell you about the hidden history of that place that they're guarding. They may tell you the things that you've never known about your own lineage. And they may 
help you energetically um, around reawakening certain memories, reawakening certain skills. So again, I cannot stress this enough. Communicating with the ancients is one of the most relevant experiences with elementals you can have. Now, uh, I've kind of mentioned that very often ancients um, cluster around large natural features, especially the ones that are prominent features. However, even if you're living in the middle of nowhere and there is no major lake or river or mountain chain where you live, you're most likely, your area of the land where you live is assigned to an ancient. And so I strongly encourage you to meet the ancient that is sponsoring the land that you live on. And also um, take the time, if you're so inclined, to meet the ancient that is sponsoring the city or the town or the place where you were born as well. Because um, the ancient that is taking you and receiving you onto planet Earth is a very special relationship. It's, it's kind of like a parent figure that you didn't know you had. Because an ancient being that is responsible for the location where you are born feels personally responsible for you for making sure that your energies are anchored correctly onto this time-space reality and actually for making sure that you are energetically set in order to be able to perform your functions and go about your life. So your ancients, there's a reason why I call them a sponsoring energy. They actually have very, very deep energy pockets. And what that means is they have access to a lot of energy, their own and other kinds of energies. So if you're running low, communicating with an ancient, establishing a relationship with an ancient could help you get that energy um, that they have access to for your own needs, especially if your own needs serve the greater good or the human collective or, you know, the, the planet, the planet as a whole, you will find ancients are incredible allies if you're working towards goals that are you know above and beyond selfish right so they they like um ambition they like people who are here to heal the world change the world etc etc so again um to go back to my point earlier establishing a relationship with the ancient of the place that you where you were born and establishing a relationship with an ancient of the place where you currently live are paramount, you guys. This is like table stakes. Um, why would you want to establish a relationship with the being that is sponsoring the place where you currently live? Again, because they may help you and assist you in so many, many different ways. They can protect your property. That's one. Against any kind of natural disaster that may happen. Now, not to aggravate anything, but there may be, you know, given what the climate is and what the climate changes, there is a whole lot of natural disasters coming through the pike. I'm not going to lie, right? So now is the perfect timing to establish and build a relationship with your local ancient. I'm just saying. Because they can guard you. They can protect you. They can send you hints. They can send you signs, um, you know, in order to warn you of anything that is upcoming, as well as they can make your life actually really, really comfortable and really, really good. Um, because they can also rearrange things energetically for you if there is 
I don't know, a blast of negativity. They can shield you from it. There's just so much. Like ancients, the good news about ancients is they're extremely powerful. They're also extremely tall based on what I just told you, which means that their power is a good, I don't know, it's, it's thousands of times more than you could have possibly brought inside of your human body. So that means that for them, shielding you is really like a piece of cake. Whereas for you, like putting together a shield for yourself or any of that protection may like wipe you off clean in terms of your energy. For them, it's it's like a peanut. It's, it's really easy. Okay, so that's the ancients. Um, oh, by the way, you can connect with the ancients of any location that is calling your name and travel there via the connection with an ancient in the etheric realm without actually physically going there. So um, the ancients are kind of like your gateway, your doorway, your guides into that place that you want to visit, whatever that place is. Mm, there are ancients, by the way, that um, sponsor inner earth um, and a Garti, uh, which is one on the same. Um, so if you've never been to inner earth, but would love to etherically travel there, befriending an ancient that is sponsoring that part of the planet, that aspect of the planet. There are many, actually. There are over 30 ancients that um, sponsor Inner Earth. Um, maybe your lucky ticket. Maybe your way in. All right. So these are ancients. Next, we're going to talk about... Why don't we talk about golems? Golems are rock formations. Um elemental rock formations if that makes sense so rocks and mountains are the skeleton of the planet and nothing happens unless the skeleton is in place right in the same way that the human body needs a skeleton before you can assign and apply all kinds of muscles and tissues and cartilages and all of the good stuff and muscles to make it real human planet earth first and foremost wanted to take care of um, the rocks, the rock formation. And so um, that is how a lot of golems uh, were brought. Golems sometimes are called giants as well. But um, I wouldn't, they're actually, you know, the way, you know, I see giants, there's a whole other like set of beings that I would refer to as giants. Although golems are um, quite large. <laughs> so I can see why it can be tempting to call them a giant or giants, a giant race. Now, a lot of the original golems um, kind of like descended here. They uh, manifested a body that looks like a rock formation or like a mountain or a hill. And then they kind of like positioned their body in a way that essentially creates the shape of that mountain. And then they um, fixed it right? So they, they um, essentially, fr fr freeze is a bad word, but they kind of froze um, in, um, in a particular rock formation shape, right? So mountains, they're not like, they're not rivers, they're not flowing, right? Um, as you well know, they are a particular shape. Um, now, of course, there's erosion and air and winds. And with that, mountains do change shape over time but it is a very very slow and gradual process so golems essentially when, when, once they descended on planet earth um, they're both so essentially they have a body that looks like a mountain if that makes sense um, but they also are an energy 
So there are the mountain, the body of the mountain, as well as the soul of the mountain. And the only thing that golems do at this point, well, actually not the only thing, let me take that back, because we never want to diminish the... the input and the blessings that any elementals bring. So golems, again, are providing the structure. They're the bones of planet Earth, which means that they essentially help center energy in a particular way that enables life on planet Earth. If it wasn't for golems and if it wasn't for rock formations, life on Earth as we know it today would be quite impossible. Um, so essentially they create clusters of energy and very often a mountain formation on, or even a little hill enables the energy to start traveling in a spiral-like form. So every mountain that you would ever encounter would have a spiral um, energy that is going from the foot of the mountain to the very top. A spiral is an energy that source consciousness uses for expansion. A spiral is an energy form that is most associated with life and growth. That's why, you know, if you look at a speed up of a video of a plant growing or a flower growing or a tree growing, it doesn't move straight up. It actually moves in a slight spiral fashion. Um, because again, the spiral is the sacred geometrical shape of pattern behind things growing and expanding. And so golems and rock formations, golems are the elementals that enable the spiral vibration to be anchored into planet Earth. So essentially they're creating this multiple spirals all across the planet Earth and anything in the vicinity of the spiral grows. So whether that is trees, grasses, plants, animals, doesn't really matter. So life can happen because these beings at one point fixed the energy pattern um, in a spiral fashion. So this is the number one thing that golems, the, the number one service that golems are rendering to the planet. Um, they're leading a very, very interesting existence because once they take a shape, from the human perspective, it may, it may seem that they're going into a dormant phase because there is not much that's quote unquote happening for them. They're not shifting around unless there are um, earthquakes. When the earthquakes happen, golems get to stretch around and move around and do all kinds of fun things. But generally, they're here to observe. Observe and, and maintain. So they're the great energy of maintaining, right? They're not here to create and they're not here to destroy, but they're here to maintain the status quo maintain and preserve ecosystems maintain and preserve energy grids maintain and preserve life so that is the very very important thing that they do now they are extremely observant and that's the one thing about golems um, they have been here for a while you guys and so when you're starting to communicate with them and when you're starting to meet them they are incredibly wise beings because they have seen it all from the beginning of time. And so through that observation, they're actually incredibly tied to the, a very deep understanding. They have a very deep understanding of what planet Earth is all about, what her path is all about. 
and all the ebbs and flows that the planet has been on since the beginning of time. Um, how, uh, so how would you meet a golem? Very often, or the easiest, would be to meditate um, in a place where there are a lot of rock formations. Very often, um, now golems do range in size. Um, it's not always that like there's only one golem to make up like a mountain mountain peak. Sometimes there are multiple. Um, and they're, they're like working in clusters. Obviously, that's why you have mountain chains. It's because there are a lot of golems kind, kind of like combined. And um, yeah, um, so essentially you would meditate and you would essentially connect with, um, you would first connect with the body of the mountain. Because if you go to connect with the spirit of the mountain, you may actually connect to an ancient unbeknownst to you. Because they're both, like they're, both of them exist inside of a mountain. You know, most mount, like large, like let's say the, the Himalayas may have a few ancients, but each of the little rocks and the little peaks within the Himalayas could also have a golem, if that makes sense. Um, so first you would focus on the physicality of that mountain. And then, you know, you observe it in your mind's eye. Like you look at the little nooks and crannies and you look at like the surface. And um, very often if you start like um, etherically, like using your etheric arm, if you start touching the surface of, of the um, mountain, you may wake up a golem. And um, if they wake up again etherically because uh, they, they wake up from touch, intentional touch. Um, they would kind of sit down, right? All of a sudden, what was a rock now looks like this large giant being whose body looks like it was made of a rock. And you can have an intelligent conversation with that being. Uh, very often, they are in tune with ecosystems. They are in tune with landscapes that they inhabit. They are in tune with all, li all the life around them. So one thing that they could be extremely helpful with and fun to talk to about um, would be uh, their perception of, I don't know, global warming, um, ice caps melting, where are we heading as a planet, you know, the ecological crisis. Sometimes it can be very fascinating to get those beings' perspective on these things that we think we know about or we know to be true. Um, because they have a very unique perspective. It's a very high level. It's a very wise uh, perspective and opinion that they have because they've seen it all. So that's golems. One thing uh, to note here is um, in Jewish mysticism, golems are actually supposed to be artificial creatures that are made of the rock, but um, that some mystics or some magicians could actually imbue with consciousness. And while that is not strictly incorrect, because there have been golems that have been created via the mat like via magical means, where a particular piece of rock or stone was imbued with consciousness that was separate from that stone originally. This is not what I would consider the elementals. Um, nothing that is man-made from my perspective, is a true elemental consciousness. True elemental consciousness and true elemental beings are the beings that have been invited here by Gaia herself, by our planet and her consciousness, 
as she was creating this world. Golems that are created by Jewish mystics arguably do not belong to that group of beings. One more thing that I wanted to say here, which is a little bit of a tangent. Um, we are living in a very interesting time. We are right at the cusp of planet Earth moving from third dimensional space into a five dimensional space. This is a one of a kind time. One thing that pains me is the past few thousands of years have been a descent into the lack of awareness and mindfulness and consciousness and understanding around the entirety of the ecosystem of planet Earth. So human beings have been blinded to the fact that we are surrounded by life and we are surrounded by energy, most of which is invisible. We are surrounded by elementals. We are surrounded by spirit guides, etc., etc. And there are so many elemental classes that have been bypassed and made and reduced to the realm of myth and legend that it's almost painful to watch. There, is, there tends to be a correlation between the awareness of elementals of the, on the planet, like a human species being aware that elementals exist and the overall health of the ecosystem. Right now, planet Earth is not going through its healthiest phase. And part of the reason is because the elemental population is dwindling because of what humanity has done to the planet. The reason I'm bringing this up is not because I wanted us to go on um, a very sad tangent, but because there's a good news, you guys. And the good news is, as we're moving towards a fifth dimensional Earth, as we're moving on to the new world, the like a, a set of completely new energies, the elementals are coming back big time. The Earth of 5D is going to be filled with elemental creatures. The Earth of 5D is going to be tended to by these elemental creatures. The Earth of 5D is going back to the basics, the origins and the genesis. It's going back to almost like the fairy tale period. It's going back to magic. It is a beautiful ecosystem that is going to be co-created by humans and elementals. And as such, we are going through the very beginning of the resurgence of the interest in the topic of elementals. We're going through a resurgence of awareness that these things are even real and they're out there and we can and we should communicate with them and we can benefit from building those relationships. We're at the very, very cusp, you guys. And in the next few decades, there's going to be all kinds of information channeled around elementals. But most importantly, more and more people are going to have real relationships with elementals, re develop real friendships with elementals, start having elementals as their guardians and guides. At one point, humanity, every human being, had a guardian elemental. Some beings, some people, had multiple guardian elementals. In the same way that you have a guardian angel, you used to have guardian elementals. It's kind of like your guardian angel is your like etheric companion, right? That partners with 
guardian elementals because guardian elementals arguably are closer to you vibrationally in terms of dimension and frequency than your guardian angel as such they have an easier time impacting your life and helping you out you guys right not for nothing and they're meant to work together but before you can have all of these wonderful elemental beings being your guides and helping you through your human experience you're gonna have to make the first step right now under one percent of humans have an elemental as their guide and that's how i know the situation is dire but also that's how i know that we only have the upside in front of us there's so much for us to be gained by learning about these different classes of elementals, by understanding how they can interact with us, by understanding what they're responsible for, so we can start changing the narrative, so we can start shifting what's possible for humanity. On that note, I would like to go and talk to you about the next elemental class. Why don't we talk about tree elementals? At one point, beyond the foundationals and the ancients, there were certain elemental classes that Gaia, our planet, considered so critical to the health of the ecosystem and the future of our own development that she called them the original elemental races. A lot of the original elemental races are extremely familiar to you guys. Fairies are one of the original elemental races. Elves is another original elemental race. Trees and tree elementals or tree spirits, tree sprites. It is another original elemental race that is critical to the survival and to the thriving of the ecosystem of planet Earth. Trees, obviously, uh, you know, more often than not, you guys just think of trees as yet another plant and they've become disposable. Um, there, there's very little, if any, reverence left as it relates to how people perceive the trees. And that is very much reflected in the relationship between humans and tree elementals. So first things first. Tree elementals are extremely connected to dryads. I wanted to make that discla disclaimer. What I'm talking about right now are not the dryads. Dryads are going to be right after. Now that this is out of the way, who are the tree elementals? There is no word in the English language, or for that matter, in any language, to signify this class of beings. That is how rare they have become. J.R.R. Tolkien attempted to create a word for these elementals, calling them Ents, E-N-T-S. And that is probably the closest vibrationally to what I have come across on the face of planet Earth to a description or a label for these beings. I'm not going to use a made-up name by Tolkien. That's why I'm calling them tree elementals. They're all masculine spirits. First thing to get out of the way. 
And currently on the planet Earth, there are about 9,000 tree elementals left of this caliber. These are the most ancient ones. They're the elders of the tree species. They live inside of tree trunks. And most of them are currently in their dormant phase. Um, if you cut the tree open, actually, especially like these large trees and these large trunks, technically, if you, if you looked with your third eye, if you opened up a tree that held that elemental, you would actually be able to see them with your physical eye because they actually exist in third dimensional reality. Not 5D, not, you know, inner earth. Like they're literally right here with us. However, however, most of them are in their dormant phase for many reasons. One being, a couple of things happened. So originally when um, planet earth was forming, and these original nine elemental races were invited to partake and build this ecosystem. Tree elementals and trees, the spirits of trees, were invited as guardians, um, not of any particular natural feature, but overall. So, you know, whereas like a mountain is more of a static concept and same, same, same goes for any natural feature. The good news about trees and tree elementals was that they literally could be anywhere. As in, they could plant themselves in a particular location, into a particular ecosystem, stay there for hundreds of years, and then literally walk out like the Lord of the Rings movie. They would kind of like pick up their roots and go and plant themselves somewhere else. And that is why they were... I don't want to call them the police force, but kind of the police force of the ecosystem. And they would always plant themselves in suboptimal ecosystems that required oversight and that required input. And so they would be a migratory species. They would migrate. They wouldn't just stay put. Now, at one point, extraterrestrials started becoming really, really active on the face of planet Earth. At one point, planet Earth became a, lab a laboratory of sorts for all kinds of genetic experiments, of which Homo sapiens is one. And when high dimensional, high degree elemental, not elementals, extraterrestrials, sorry, came to planet Earth, those high degree um, and very smart extraterrestrials actually knew all about elementals because they could see the elementals, they could communicate with the elementals. It wasn't like it is right now for, for humanity with our pineal glands calcified and us not seeing anything in the invisible realm. Those extraterrestrials could sense life in every which way, shape, and form it came. And so these extraterrestrials established a contract with tree spirits that said that because planet Earth was going to start to be used as a geneticist lab, it was now the job of these extraterrestrials to manage the ecosystem and oversee the ecosystem and make sure that their new creations did not mess with the natural order of things. And so there were contracts that were created and tree elementals signed on the dotted line that they agree to this contract up until 
planet Earth goes into five-dimensional consciousness. That was when that contract is meant to end, which is really, really soon, you guys, right? So essentially, tree elementals temporarily gave up control um, in favor of this experiment that the extraterrestrials were running. Tree elementals are extremely wise. They're also a very collaborative species. They're never going to just show up, put a stake in the ground and say it's my way or the highway. And that's why, you know, in their in the spirit of collaboration, they chose to meet this extraterrestrials, uh, in, you know, in the middle. Now, as they're starting to wake up right now, they're realizing that the situation is quite dire and the ecosystem of planet Earth has been damaged in more ways than one. And essentially, the extraterrestrials that were supposed to uphold their part of the bargain did not. And, you know, the Homo sapiens maybe got out of control a little bit with everything that we do. Okay, um, so there are about 9,000 tree elementals that are masculine spirits. The closest um, humans recently that came to understanding the tree elementals and that studied the tree elementals were the Druids and the Celts. Um, for those of you that are familiar with the Druid lore and, you know, their um, lore and like their culture and, and what their belief system, shall I say, um, is they essentially have sacred trees. The sacred trees that they have are the kinds of trees that would be frequented by these tree elementals. So the druids didn't randomly select trees because it felt good or they were like more widespread or somehow in the territories where they lived. They actually could see that not every tree that was out there contained an elemental spirit. And there were some trees that contained, you know, very ancient elemental spirits. And that is how they came up with their list of their sacred trees. Some of the examples of the sacred tree trees are an ash tree, an oak tree, um, a yew tree, an apple tree, a hazel tree, a birch tree. There are others. So all of these trees were sponsored by these tree elementals. And each of these trees had a very sacred duty towards planet Earth and the ecosystem of the planet Earth. In some cultures, there is still a concept that is alive and well today. And this concept is of a sacred grove. You had that in the Baltics, you had that in Germanic cultures, you had it in the Slavic cultures, even in India. There is a concept of a sacred grove. The sacred grove is a grove of trees, 11 sacred trees that were meant to be planted in a circle, in a circular fashion. And with, a, with the sun, and like they generally would plant these groves um, somewhere where the sun can hit um, you know, the middle of the circle. So there was also like a very, like a solar connection with sacred groves. And sacred groves were actually um, ecosystem harmonizers. 
one sacred grove that was planted in the way that was originally designed could cleanse and balance the ecosystem for thousands of miles in every direction. So they were almost like beyond. So like imagine that there are like every sacred grove was like an acupuncture needle um, that helped harmonize the energies and make sure they flew in their uh, flew, or the energy was flowing in the right direction. So sacred groves, um, you know, they were not just planted very much intentionally, but they were guarded with like there were certain people, the guardians of the grove that whose sole duty was to tend to those trees because sacred groves were always, always sponsored and inhabited by tree elementals. And so any country or region that had a sacred grove was always developing according to the golden blueprint or according to God's plan, the plan of source consciousness. So it is, again, uh, tree elementals are incredible harmonizers. Um, they would still like to work with humanity, believe it or not, despite everything. Despite the fact that at one point they signed their life away, despite the fact that humanity doesn't have a very healthy relationship with the trees. How would you work with the sacred trees? You would establish a relationship with one of the sacred trees from the list that I named earlier. Or you can also, you know, look up other sacred trees. Um, there are, you know, um, a few dozen. Um, and whichever tree speaks to you, you may choose to establish a relationship with that tree and the spirit of that tree. Every tree stands for something unique. Um, for instance, oak stands for strength and stamina and perseverance and courage, whereas the ash tree stands for deep understanding, wisdom, psychic powers and abilities, mm, connection to Akashic records, connection to higher realms, etc., etc. Apple tree is connection with Venus, connection with high level femininity, fertility, harvesting, growth, like all of these trees, you know, they they're connected to certain aspects of existence. And because of that, you know, first you would want to connect with a tree, right? And you can read up, Google it. I don't, you don't need me for that. And see what, ask, you know, what tree speaks to you the most in terms of attributes. And then you would, in a meditative state, choose to connect with the elemental of that tree. And then from there, you can have conversations. Um, tree elementals are incredibly great, phenomenal healers. They can heal your physical body. They can heal your etheric body, um, emotional body, mental body, all of the above, you name it. They can heal ecosystems. They can heal pollution from, you know, um, again, if you ask them for assistance, they can help clean up a river or clean up an ocean. Um, so yeah, they're, they're great harmonizers of ecosystems. Again, they're very weak right now. A lot of them are still dormant, but they're beautiful elementals and I would love for more people to work with them. Moving on. The next ones up are dryads. I wanted to specifically call out dryads because they're extremely connected with tree elementals. Um, 
and partially they are true elementals, but they're a different kind. So dryads are actually, um, um, so the, the class of elementals that they belong to are called the nymphs. The nymphs um, are plentiful. It's a very large um, group of elementals. There are forest nymphs, meadow nymphs, water nymphs, mountain nymphs, etc., etc. Nymphs are always female beings. Um, they were very prominent in the Greek culture. They're supposed to be, they were supposed to be, um, you know, minor deities. Um, very often nymphs, according to the Greek folklore uh, and, and, and Greek legends, were very connected to the gods of the Greek pantheon. And whereas the gods of the Greek pantheon were considered major deities, nymphs were considered secondary deities. So minor. Uh, minor spirits, but still godly in nature. So dryads. Dryads is a type of a nymph that is a forest nymph. Um, whereas your tree elementals are all masculine, dryads are all feminine. One thing that I notice is whereas the tree elementals, or the ents, if you will, that manned all the sacred trees, um, whereas those were men and they were elders, right? as far as trees are concerned. So there were like the elders, there were the wise men, there were the, the shamans of the tree community. Um, dryads um, were and are, they're younger elementals. So they always look up to um, the masculine tree elementals um, in the same way that younglings in a tribe would always look up to the shaman or the elder to show them the way. Very often, I see dryads actually inhabit um, and, and cluster around and live around the trees that have an elder elemental inhabit that tree. So they would almost like share the space or sometimes they would protect because given that there are only 9,000 tree elementals, masculine tree elementals or elder tree elementals left, dryads feel extremely protective of the elders. And whereas the elders... Uh, very often dormant or asleep. And they're not very active right now, up until Earth goes into 5D, that is. Dryads are the beings that still are able to telepathically communicate to the elders, regardless of what state they're in. Generally, there are at least three dryads for every single um, elder elemental. So they, 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 they um, exist in clusters. Um, I love the dryads. I work with them a lot. I find them to be very gentle souls, very gentle spirits. Dryads and all the nymphs are, again, feminine. They have humanoid shapes. Um, dryads, um, they're not, uh, they're mostly etheric beings right now. Um, they exist in uh, Middle Earth, right? So they exist in, in our time space reality. And they also exist in some angelic realms. So um, I don't know if you remember a couple of episodes ago, I, I told you that there are some parallel Earths, right? There are essentially four Earths that are parallel to our Earth that exist upstairs or are considered angelic realms. And then there are four uh, Earths that are considered demonic realms um, and exist kind of like downstairs, down the, um, the tree, the world tree, the tree of life uh, compared to Midgard or Middle Earth, compared to here. 
And so uh, your dryads would live like here in Midgard, here in Middle Earth, as well as they would live one level up as well. So they, they belong to either our Earth or the angelic Earth one way up. So they're very gentle souls. They're very gentle spirits. Very often dryads are going to have yellow or green hair. And um, they also have camouflage abilities. So they can actually um, etherically, you know, they can appear to you as humanoid women. Um, they have very like long toned legs. Very, very often they would have short skirts. Um, and they love green. Green is their favorite color. All shades of green. And they also love yellow. Um, but they have camouflage abilities. And so very often they would just camouflage around like trees. Um, they're very playful. Um, they love to wear their hair down. They also wear, um, they love um, like intricate jewelry um, for their hair and, and for the forehead. So very often they have like these ribbons that go um, around their foreheads. Um, it's just something that I've noticed that um, I find quite beautiful. They have very long fingers. Um, and again, they're very toned and athletic. Um, dryads are wonderful. Um, some dryads, you have two types of dryads. Some dryads are attached themselves to a tree and other dryads migrate. It used to be that on planet earth, um, you know, dryads would live for as long as the tree would live. Um, and unfortunately what ended up happening is people started cutting down a lot of trees and so these dryads starting dying started dying out big time you guys big time uh, i mean we're, we're um, like the amazonian forests are like where there are a lot of dryads there are a lot of dryads in um in canadian forests and chinese forests and russian forests um you know um english forests um up north in finland and, and norway Still, there are a lot of dryads over there, but um, now they're no longer attached themselves to one tree because they know it's so dangerous. Um, a dryad generally lives between 900 and 1200 years. Um, and so, you know, it was very painful for them to have to always pick a new tree because... I don't know, like human beings just started cutting down trees big time. And so dryads stopped being loyal to one tree, which really broke their heart. Not, go not going to lie, because um, dryads, for them, a tree is more than a home. For them, a tree is an extension of their body. It's almost like, you know, you guys have skin, right? So that's how they feel about the trees that they inhabit. And so for them, it's not as simple as just like move out. Um move out from one house and move into the new house if if, if the house that you lived in um, got caught caught out um so um dryads stopped committing to trees um, because it's just so painful for them um i will tell you that if you want to support the population of dryads that's dwindling big time um planting trees is the number one thing that you know they would love for you to do or sponsoring an organ an organization that plants trees because they are extremely extremely worried that you know part of the reason why the ecosystem of planet earth is already messed up and it's going to get even more messed up is um how the the disbalance of how many trees we cut cut off um compared to how many trees we re replant and so one thing that they would like to, for me to share with you is that if Every single one of you could plant at least one tree 
or help sponsor somebody planting at least one tree, they would be eternally grateful because from their perspective, you would be doing like it's like one of the most amazing good karmic deeds uh, that you can do as a human, just given how integral these elementals are um, to the planet and, and, and how they're running out of places to live, essentially. Um, yeah, so that's um, on the dryads. Um, so dryads are extremely connected to, again, rebirthing our ecosystem, the health of our ecosystem, the health of our forests, the health of our trees. Um, and of course, all the life that the trees and the forests support. So dryads are extremely connected to the animal kingdom, um, the bird kingdom. They are great friends with a lot of birds. They are great friends with the insect kingdom, right? So they're, again, very, they're healers, uh, very gentle souls, um, very powerful. Um, they're very powerful telepathic communicators. So dryads, actually, of, um, you know, the, the different elementals, um, they can survive um, in um, current third dimensional energies, unlike fairies, for instance, that, um, you know, they're a little bit gentler. So dryads can survive in the current circumstances. So having a dryad as your guardian elemental is actually not that far-fetched of an idea. And so I actually commend you and recommend that you meet a dryad. Uh, the best way to meet a dryad would be to go into a forest, literally physically, and go around and start feeling into the trees. And if there is a tree that catches your eye and feels like there's something different about it maybe it's mightier maybe it, the, the tree trunk is bigger or something like something just feels more magical about this tree um, come and place the palms of your hands on that tree and have an intention of connecting with um, the dryad if there is a dryad in that tree the way you connect with the dryad is through a triangle the triangle is as follows the top of the triangle is your third eye and the other two points of the triangle are your hands, the palms of your hands, right? So once you uh, imagine that there is a triangle between the two palms of your hands and your forehead, your third eye area, that is the geometrical shape that you would use to communicate with dryads. So you would essentially invite the dryad to step out of the tree and talk to you because dryads generally hide within trees. And so if one exists over there, she would step out and you could have a conversation. Um, dryads are, um, um, so they are extremely good at, um, like I said, telepathic communication. So if your clear audience is not amazing, the dryads can still be one of those elementals that you may be able to understand and hear clearer than some others. Um, dryads are really good at helping set protections around you. So if you befriend one, you can ask them to help preserve your energy, to help protect your energy. Let's say you're going to, I don't know, um, like a party where you know the energies are not going to be high. Um, you can ask the dryad for protection. Um, dryads are the, the holders of the lore of how different parts of the ecosystem are supposed to interact with one another. Where can that come in handy? Um, they know how everything is interconnected and they understand the cause and effect incredibly, incredibly well. 
so they can advise you on anything that is related with karma. If you don't understand how a particular action could impact you or the world around you, they're going to know because they've seen it. They're also good with herbology. So they know what type of herb to connect with what type of herb and how to prepare a mixture and, you know, how to create a concoction or a brew because, again, they understand the interconnectedness and how does one thing fit into the other. That's another thing that the dryads are really good at. Um, the dryads are really great healers of wounds of self-expression and the throat area. Um, they actually are, again, very, um, they can kind of like do, I don't want to call it Reiki, but kind of like an energetic Reiki-like healing on you and your different chakras as well. So they can help balance your chakras. And it's, it's like an energy massage. Like they're, um, they have these like long fingers and they're placing them, you know, on, on different aspects of your body as you're going through a meditation. So they can be amazing healers for you as well. Um, dryads are really good at helping you work through stuck emotions. And they also vibrate at the heart level. So any heart trauma, drama, you can go talk to the dryads. Dryads are naturally connected to the energies of the emerald. So if you have emerald earrings or any other piece of emerald, it may be actually um, really um, helpful for you um, to grab it along when you're establishing, trying to establish a connection with the dryads. Dryads like any kind of green crystals. Um, so if you're um, looking to establish a relationship with them or would like to give them a gift, any type of green crystal, um, like a serpentine or a malachite, anything that's green, mm, they're going to love. Uh, there's like some fluorides that are green, uh, so they love that. They would prefer that as a gift. Um, dryads are connected to the energy of growth, so they can help you grow things. Um, those can be growing foods, like if you're setting up a garden and you want to grow your own tomatoes or cucumbers or something, they can really help you out. If you have a dying plant, like a house plant, um, they can help tend to that plant and even revive the plant that's about to die. Um, they can also tend to your, you know, house animals. Like for instance, if your, I don't pet has an emotional trauma, um, dryads are extremely in tune to emotional states of uh, animals and humans, so they can heal that trauma um, within your animal as well. I can go on and on. Dryads are amazing, you guys. Bottom line is you should try to befriend one if you can. Um, they're also extremely loyal. Now, the only thing is dryads get scared easily. So, um, and, and also they react very, they, they would um, evaluate you based on the purity of your intentions. So you cannot fool a dryad. You're like a blank slate, not, not a blank slate. You're, it's, it's very transparent for, for the dryad you're all about at soul level so if you have bad intentions or you're, you know you're just trying to get a guide but you really don't mean well they're gonna know it right so again like with elementals a what you see is what you get but b they're extremely intuitive and so um come with an open heart be honest with them they always are gonna know if you're telling the truth but know that, you know, if you have a mismanaged relationship with the trees, they're going to know that. 
So healing your lineage, uh, the, the relationship with your lineage with the trees um, and making sure that you're not abusing um, the life force of the tree, making sure you greet the trees, making sure you're not cutting down the trees unnecessarily, such as let's say it's Christmas and you want a Christmas tree. What the dryads would really appreciate is if you have a fake Christmas tree instead of cutting down the real tree. Because again, for them, the life of a tree is worth everything, right? And so anytime you can preserve or donate to, um, you know, deforestation efforts and making sure that trees are being preserved and anytime you can save up on paper, um, or not use quite as much cardboard or recycle, like reuse old boxes, like shipper boxes, you know, all of those things are going to go a long way with establishing a relationship with the dryads. All right. Um, I wanted to take a question around anything that I, I, I said today. I feel like I don't, um, you know, I feel like this has been a long episode. I haven't gotten through two other earth elementals that I wanted to cover in this episode, which tells me that we're going to need at least one, if not two more episodes on just the earth elementals. On that note, um, is there a question from the collective that I can answer in regards to anything that I said today? Um, you know, anything that potentially was not very clear. I'm happy to receive the question right now. The question is, you mentioned that the dryads are really scared and, you know, they're not very maybe forthcoming in terms of communicating. How can I make sure that, um, you know, I, I don't scare them away when I'm trying to communicate with them? Um, thank you for the question. They react very well to stillness and quiet. That is why you would, you know, if you go to the forest, don't, you know, try to not create as much noise. Like, don't bring your boom box with you and don't blare the music like crazy um or if you drove into the forest like park the car and then walk for some time so they don't like loud noises so make sure you don't bring loud noises with you um they like um sometimes in order to truly connect with a dryad you're gonna have to spend 15 to 20 minute minutes in absolute quiet state of meditation before they're going to feel comfortable to walk out of the tree to talk to you um, again, because they, you know, they're not very trusting because they have seen time and time again, human beings act in all kinds of ways. And again, we're cutting down their homes and we're like, and again, even more than homes because trees are like their, their skin. Like they, they really think of trees as, as part of who they are. Um, like the trees are part of them. They're part of the tree. And so it's like, we have been cutting them essentially and killing them for paper. And so that relationship is is already like not great, you guys. I hate to say this. And so they react very well to um, to quiet. And when I say quiet, it's not even just speaking. Quiet for them is also the quality and the quantity of your thoughts. So dryads, because they're telepathic communication communicators, their thoughts are just as loud to them as if you said something out loud. How crazy is that? So if your mind is incredibly busy, like the highway with like all these neurons firing 33,000 miles a minute, for them, you're going to be crazy loud. And so one way for you to practice 
or like one of the practices you can do before meeting the dryad is quieting down your mind because that is what they can enter. That is when they're going to stop being worried about you or scared about you. Bring gifts, you know, bring a green crystal. They're going to love that. Um, they may also respond very well to some uh, flowers, like a flower, like a petal or a bud. Um, and they also like ribbons. A lot of elementals like ribbons. Um, these ones would love um, a white, a green or a yellow ribbon. Um, that's what, what they wanted me to share with you. Yeah, so again, be come with peace. Work on opening up your heart center, right? Because if your heart is closed, the dryads are not going to be able to talk to you. Now, one thing that's important noting, a lot of elementals communicate at the heart chakra level. So if you're vibrating below the heart chakra level, raising your vibrations in order to be able to see, feel, and communicate with the elementals is paramount. You're going to thank me later. So if, you know, um, I've made a couple of episodes on heart healing, um, go listen. Um, I made a couple of episodes on the assemblage point and it has some information about having an assemblage point in the heart. Go listen to those. Um, if you have some heart trauma, our Sacred Universe podcast has four or five different meditations that are all about healing your heart space. And I've recorded them, recorded them um, because I recognize how important it is for us to open up our hearts as humanity. It is the time. And there are so many benefits to that. Not, you know, not the smallest of which is being able to um, communicate with elementals and, and get one as your, uh, your guide. Is there another question from the collective around elementals, specifically the earth elementals that I can respond to? The question is, if I go into a particular sacred place and the guardians of that place, like I can feel they don't want me there. Um, how do I mend that relationship? Unfortunately, the answer to your question is not very straightforward. The answer is it depends and it depends on multiple factors um, because that relationship can be different levels of damaged. The best way that I know to um, mend a relationship is to do a ritual of forgiveness, like a forgiveness ritual. So you would bring gifts from your heart to the guardians, to the elementals of that place. And you would do an offering. And sometimes you may need to do an offering more than once. Uh, sometimes you may want to do an offering two or three times, even more. And you may also ask those elementals what you can do to heal that relationship. But also don't push it. Like if the guardians of a particular place don't want you there, being there is actually disrespecting their wishes. So you want to respect their wishes and do the offering outside of the vicinity of, of the place that they're protecting, if that makes sense. Um, and you can also ask your spirit guides and your higher self and, and how to best mend the relationship with a particular elemental. But very often it could be connected to a past life. Something happened in a past life where you may be mistreated a particular land. Maybe your ancestors did. Um, there could also be like um, maybe you gave a vow to a particular element and you broke it in the past. Um, that could also be it. Um, sometimes there are curses, like where you curse a particular element. Like sometimes people, I don't know, curse the water because a loved one drowned 
and, and you know that can throw you off and your whole lineage off for generations so making sure that there are no curses that stand in the way between a relationship with you and like a particular sacred place and if there is curses are words essentially and words can be unwound rewound rewritten recalibrated right so it's about cutting the cords um with that vow bringing the energy back to you and annulling or essentially zeroing out of those energies all right my dear ones this has been part one of earth elementals i will be back with more information you may bet on it um Yes, thank you so much for being such troopers and spending this time with me. I had a blast per usual and I will see you in the next one. Cheers.